Section 26, Volume 3, of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ethan Rampton. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 3, Section 26. When it was the one hundred and seventy-fifth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the wazir said to King Shariman, Leave thy son in limbo for the space of fifteen days, then summon him to thy presence and bid him wed, and assuredly he shall not gainsay thee again. The king accepted the wazir's opinion, and lay down to sleep that night troubled at heart concerning his son, for he loved him with dearest love, because he had no other child but this and it was his wont every night not to sleep, save after placing his arm under his son's neck. So he passed that night in trouble and unease on the prince's account, tossing from side to side, as he were laid on coals of Artemisia wood, for he was overcome with doubts and fears, and sleep visited him not at all that livelong night. But his eyes ran over with tears, and he began repeating, While slanderers slumber, longsome is my night, Suffice thee a heart so sad in parting plight. I say, one night in care slow moments by, What no return for thee, fair morning light? And the saying of another, When saw I Pleiad stars his glance escape, And pole star draught of sleep upon him poor, And the beer daughters wend in morning dight, I knew that morning was for him no more. Such was the case with King Shariman. But as regards Kamar al-Zaman, when the night came upon him, the eunuch set the lanthorn before him, and lighting the wax-candle, placed it in the candlestick, then brought him somewhat of food. The prince ate a little, and continually reproached himself for his unseemly treatment of his father, saying to himself, O my soul, knowest thou not that a son of Adam is the hostage of his tongue, and that a man's tongue is what casteth him into deadly perils? Then his eyes ran over with tears, and he bewailed that which he had done from anguished vitals and aching heart, repenting him with exceeding repentance of the wrong wherewith he had wronged his father, and repeating, Fair youth shall die by stumbling of the tongue. Stumble of foot works not man's life such wrong. The slip of lip shall oft smite off the head, while slip of foot shall never harm one long. Now when he had made an end of eating, he asked for the wherewithal to wash his hands, and when the Mameluke had washed them clean of the remnants of food, he arose and made the wazu ablution, and prayed the prayers of sundown and nightfall, conjoining them in one. After which he sat down. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the hundred and seventy-sixth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the prince Kamar al-Zaman had prayed, conjoining them in one the prayers of sundown and nightfall, he sat down on the well, and began reciting the Koran, and he repeated the cow, and the house of Imran, and Y.S., the compassionate, blessed be the king, unity, and the two talismans, and he ended with blessing and supplication, and with saying, I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the stoned. Then he lay down upon his couch, which was covered with a mattress of satin, from Al-Madin town, the same on both sides, and stuffed with the raw silk of Iraq and under his head was a pillow filled with ostrich down, and when ready for sleep, 
he doffed his outer clothes and drew off his bag trousers, and lay down in a shirt of delicate stuff smooth as wax. And he donned a headkerchief of azure marazi cloth. And at such time and on this guise Kamar al-Zaman was like the full-orbed moon when it riseth on its fourteenth night. Then, drawing over his head a coverlet of silk, he fell asleep with the lanthorn burning at his feet, and the wax candle over his head, and he ceased not sleeping through the first third of the night, not knowing what lurked for him in the womb of the future, and what the omniscient had decreed for him. Now, as fate and fortune would have it, both tower and saloon were old and had been many years deserted, and there was therein a Roman well inhabited by a genia of the seed of Iblis the accursed, by name Maimuna, daughter of Aldimiriat, a renowned king of the Jan. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of the day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the name of the genia in question was Maimuna, daughter of Aldimiriat, a renowned king of the Jan. And as Kamar al-Zaman continued sleeping till the first third of the night, Maimuna came up out of the Roman well, and made for the firmament, thinking to listen by stealth to the converse of the angels. But when she reached the mouth of the well, she saw a light shining in the tower, contrary to custom. And having dwelt there many years without seeing the like, she said to herself, Never have I witnessed aught like this. And marvelling much at the matter, determined that there must be some cause therefor. So she made for the light, and found the eunuch sleeping within the door, and inside she saw a couch spread, whereon was a human form with the wax candle burning at his head, and the lanthorn at his feet. And she wondered to see the light, and stole towards it little by little. Then she folded her wings, and stood by the bed, and drawing back the coverlid, discovered Kamar al-Zaman's face. She was motionless for a full hour in admiration and wonderment for the luster of his visage outshone that of the candle. His face beamed like a pearl with light. His eyelids were languorous like those of the gazelle. The pupils of his eyes were intensely black and brilliant. His cheeks were rosy red. His eyebrows were arched like bows, and his breath exhaled a scent of musk. Even as saith of him the poet, I kissed him. Darker grew those pupils which seduced my soul, and cheeks flushed rosier hue. O heart, if slanderers dare to deem there be his like in charms, say, Bring him hither you. Now when Maimuna saw him, she pronounced the formula of praise, and said, Blessed be Allah, the best of creators, for she was of the true believing jinn, and she stood a while gazing on his face, exclaiming and envying the youth his beauty and loveliness. And she said in herself, By Allah, I will do no hurt to him, nor let any harm him. Nay, from all of evil will I ransom him, for this fair face deserveth not but that folk should gaze upon it, and for it praise the Lord. Yet how could his family find it in their hearts to leave him in such desert place, where, if one of our marids came upon him at this hour, he would assuredly slay him? Then the Ifrita Maimuna bent over him, and kissed him between the eyes, and presently drew back the sheet over his face which she covered up, and after this she spread her wings, and soaring into the air flew upwards. And after rising high from the circle of the saloon, she ceased not winging her way through air and ascending skywards, till she drew near the heaven of this world, the lowest of the heavens. And behold, she heard the noisy flapping of wings cleaving the welkin, and directing herself by the sound, she found when she drew near it that the noise came from an ifrit called Danash. So she swooped down upon him like a sparrow-hawk, 
and when he was aware of her, and knew her to be Maimuna, the daughter of the king of the jinn, he feared her, and his side-muscles quivered, and he implored her forbearance, saying, I conjure thee, by the most great and august name, and by the most noble talisman graven upon the seal-ring of Solomon, entreat me kindly, and harm me not. When she heard these words, her heart inclined to him, and she said, Verily thou conjurest me, O accursed, with a mighty conjuration. Nevertheless, I will not let thee go, till thou tell me whence thou comest at this hour. He replied, O princess, know that I come from the uttermost end of China-land, and from among the islands, and I will tell thee of a wonderful thing I have seen this night. If thou kind my words true, let me wend my way, and write me a patent under thy hand, and with thy sign manual that I am thy freedman, so none of the jinn hosts, whether of the upper who fly, or of the lower who walk the earth, or of those who dive beneath the waters, do me let or hindrance. Rejoined Maimuna, And what is it that thou hast seen this night, O liar, O accursed? Tell me without leasing, and think not to escape from my hand with falses, for I swear to thee by the letters graven upon the bezel of the seal-ring of Solomon David's son, on both of whom be peace, except thy speech be true, I will pluck out thy feathers with mine own hand, and strip off thy skin, and break thy bones. Quoth the Ifrid Danash, son of Shamhurish the flyer, I accept, O my lady, these conditions. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. She said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that Danash spoke thus to Mamuna, I accept, O my lady, these conditions. Then he resumed, Know, O my mistress, that I come to-night from the islands of the inland sea, in the parts of China, which are the realms of King Gaiur, lord of the islands and the seas, and the seven palaces. There I saw a daughter of his, than whom Allah hath made none fairer in her time. I cannot picture her to thee, for my tongue would fail to describe her with her due of praise, but I will name to thee a somewhat of her charms by way of approach. Now her hair is like the nights of disunion and separation, and her face like the days of union and delectation. And right well hath the poet said when picturing her, she dispread the locks from her head one night, showing fourfold nights into one night run, and she turned her visage towards the moon, and two moons showed at moment one. She hath a nose like the edge of the burnished blade, and cheeks like purple wine, or anemones blood-red. Her lips as coral and carnelian shine, and the water of her mouth is sweeter than old wine. Its taste would quench hell's fiery pain. Her tongue is moved by wit of high degree, and ready repartee. Her breast is a seduction to all that see it. Glory be to him who fashioned it, and finished it. And joined thereto are two upper arms, smooth and rounded. Even as saith of her the poet Al-Walahan, She hath wrists which did her bangles not contain. She would run from out her sleeves in silvern rain. She hath breasts like two globes of ivory, from whose brightness the moons borrow light, and a stomach with little waves, as it were a figured cloth of the finest Egyptian linen, made by the Copts, with creases like folded scrolls, ending in a waist slender past all power of imagination, based upon back parts like a hillock of blown sand, that force her to sit when she would fief stand, and awaken her when she fain would sleep, even as saith of her and describeth her the poet. She hath those hips conjoined by thread of waist, hips that o'er me and her too tyrannize my thoughts they daze whene'er I think of them, and weigh her down whene'er she would uprise. And those back parts are upborne by thighs smooth and round, and by a calf like a column of pearl, 
and all this reposeth upon two feet, narrow, slender, and pointed like spear-blades, the handiwork of the protector and requiter. I wonder how of their littleness they can sustain what is above them. But I cut short my praises of her charms, fearing lest I be tedious. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and seventy-ninth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that the Ifrit Danash bin Shamurish said to the Ifrita Maimuna, Of a truth I cut short my praises, fearing lest I be tedious. Now when Maimuna heard the description of that princess and her beauty and loveliness, she stood silent in astonishment, whereupon Danash resumed, The father of this fair maiden is a mighty king, a fierce knight, immersed night and day in fray and fight, for whom death hath no fright, and the escape of his foe no dread, for that he is a tyrant masterful, and a conqueror irresistible, lord of troops and armies and continents and islands, and cities and villages, and his name is King Gaiur, lord of the islands and of the seas, and of the seven palaces. Now he loveth his daughter, the young maiden whom I have described to thee, with dearest love, and for affection of her, he hath heaped together the treasures of all the kings, and built her therewith seven palaces, each of a different fashion, the first of crystal, the second of marble, the third of china steel, the fourth of precious stones and gems of price, the fifth of porcelain, and many-hued onyxes and ring-bezels, the sixth of silver, and the seventh of gold. And he hath filled the seven palaces with all sorts of sumptuous furniture, rich silken carpets and hangings, and vessels of gold and silver, and all manner of gear that kings require and hath bidden his daughter to abide in each by turns for a certain season of the year, for her name is the Princess Badur. Now when her beauty became known, and her name and fame were bruited among the neighboring countries, all the kings sent to her father to demand her of him in marriage, and he consulted her on the matter. But she disliked the very word wedlock with a manner of abhorrence, and said, O oh, my father, I have no mind to marry, no, not at all, for I am a sovereign lady, and a queen's suzerain ruling over men, and I have no desire for a man who shall rule over me. And the more suit she refused, the more her suitor's eagerness increased, and all the royalties of the inner islands of China sent presents and rarities to her father, with letters asking her in marriage. So he pressed her again and again with advice on the matter of espousals. But she ever opposed to him refusals, till at last she turned upon him angrily and cried, O oh, my father! If thou name matrimony to me once more, I will go into my chamber and take a sword, and fixing its hilt in the ground, will set its point to my waist. Then will I press upon it, till it come forth from my back, and so slay myself. Now when the king heard these her words, the light became darkness in his sight, and his heart burned for her as with a flame of fire, because he feared lest she should kill herself. And he was filled with perplexity concerning her affair, and the king's her suitors. So he said to her, if thou be determined not to marry, and there be no help for it, abstain from going and coming in and out. Then he placed her in a house, and shut her up in a chamber, appointing ten old women as duennas to guard her, and forbade her to go forth to the seven palaces. Moreover, he made it appear that he was incensed against her, and sent letters to all the kings, giving them to know that she had been stricken with madness by the jinns, and it is now a year since she hath thus been secluded. Then continued the Ifrit Danash, addressing the Ifrita Maimuna, And I, O my lady, go to her every night, and take my fill of feeding my sight on her face, and I kiss her between the eyes. Yet of my love to her I do her no hurt, neither mount her, for
for that her youth is fair and her grace surpassing. Every one who seeth her jealouseth himself for her. I conjure thee, therefore, O my lady, to go back with me and look on her beauty and loveliness, and stature, and perfection of proportion. And after, if thou wilt, chastise me or enslave me, and win to thy will, for it is thine to bid and to forbid. So saying, the Ifrit Danash bowed his head towards the earth, and drooped his wings downward. But Maimuna laughed at his words, and spat in his face, and answered, What is this girl of whom thou pratest but a potsherd wherewith to wipe after making water? Far, far, by Allah, or cursed, I thought thou hadst some wondrous tale to tell me, or some marvellous news to give me. How would it be if thou were to sight my beloved? Verily this night I have seen a young man, whom if thou saw, though but in a dream, thou wouldst be palsied with admiration, and spittle would flow from thy mouth. Asked the Ifrit, And who and what is this youth? And she answered, No, O Danash, that there hath befallen the young man the like of what thou tellest me befell thy mistress, for his father presseth him again and again to marry. But he refused, till at length his sire waxed wroth at being opposed, and imprisoned him in the tower where I dwell. And I came up to-night and saw him. Said Danash, O my lady, shew me this youth, that I may see if he be indeed handsomer than my mistress, the princess Badur, or not, for I cannot believe that the like of her liveth in this our age. Rejoined Maimuna, thou liest, O accursed, O most ill-omened of marids and vilest of satans. Sure I am that the like of my beloved is not in this world. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 26 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, volume 3